Welcome to Our Connected World, a podcast series from TE Connectivity featuring straight talk for engineers about today's technology trends and the technical challenges in driving innovations crucial to making the world safer, sustainable, productive, and connected. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Connected World, a podcast from TE Connectivity. I'm your host, Tyler Kern. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the show. Today, we we have three episodes that are coming up here on the show, and we're kicking off the first of those episodes here today, talking about autonomous vehicles and what's driving us forward some of the big players on the scene, some of the technology that is moving us forward, and also what's holding us back and maybe the attitudes that, that that people have towards autonomous vehicles. And so we have a lot to discuss here on these next three episodes. Joining me for this series is Rolf Kalitka. He is the Chief Technical Officer for Transportation Solutions at TE Connectivity. Rolf, thank you so much for joining me. I hope I was somewhat close on your last name, but uh, but welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Tyler. Happy to be here. So to be close to the name... Uh would mean that you'd be a German. And even for Germans, it's hard to pronounce. So I'm very happy how you pronounce that. Thank you. I, I, I did I did my best anyway. So, uh, Rolf, it's, it's a pleasure to have you here on the podcast today talking about autonomous driving and, um, you know, where we're going in the future, how we continue to make this more and more of a safe technology and, and things of that nature. So, Rolf, just start off just by giving us a, a state of the industry. Where are we today in terms of autonomy and what have been maybe the expectations in the past versus where we actually are now? I think, Tyler, when we just uh, think back a couple of years, uh, every one of us was dreaming uh, to sit in a robo-taxi to tell an artificial intelligence, I want to go to the next theater, and everything would happen automatically. Lean back, enjoy a movie, close your eyes, and uh, in hindsight, I must say, this has taken much longer than ever expected. So a lot of development has taken place, a lot of energy, time has gone into that, but uh, I think... Issues like weather, snow, mixed traffic have been much stronger than uh, most of us thought. And therefore, the whole progress is safety oriented and taking longer than we expected. You're right. Um, this is something that, that you would see portrayed in movies. And, and I think people thought, oh, hey, this is something that, that's coming in the very near future. And, and you're right. It is maybe taking a little bit longer to get to that point than, than some people expected. What should be the... the the expected benefits of autonomous vehicles for people when, when they think in their minds of this is what autonomous vehicles are, what are some of the benefits that, that, that would come along with that? I think we should talk about two different vehicles. On the one side, we have the passenger cars. So on the passenger cars, I think we talk basically about two aspects. One is really enjoy and relax so that you have your long drive. You just enjoy the drive, go on autonomous mode on the highway and just let the car drive you. And that's a very nice way to watch a movie, to read a book, and to just enjoy the travel. And uh, on the passenger car, second aspect, I think, which is very important, is safety. Mm. So additional sensors, additional artificial intelligence helps you to drive safer. We have too many fatalities still in traffic. And therefore, autonomous features, additional sensors in different conditions can prevent accidents in traffic. So these are the two aspects for the passenger cars. And I think for the trucks, it's slightly different. Here we see an overall situation that is changing the landscape totally. So we see that on the truck side, there's a shortage of truck drivers. So we see bottlenecks. Uh, Every one of us enjoys uh, daily deliveries of zillion of packages all around the world. And the logistics supply chain is breaking at that point. 
So therefore, we see an increasing demand for truck drivers, for logistics, for smart logistics. And here we see now a big push that uh, autonomous trucks are entering the scene. We see more and more autonomous freight networks coming up on highways. And here is a clearly commercial driven topic. So really, the uh, total cost of ownership for a truck would go down approximately by 45% Hmm. if we would have autonomous truck driving on highways, for example. So 24-7, all around the clock, uh, no tire driver. And uh, so that is a big uh, boost for this uh, autonomous truck driving. So I think amongst the public, when they think of autonomous vehicles, their minds immediately go to level five automation, right? So uh, tell us a little bit more about what level five automation, first of all, is, and what are some of the barriers to us reaching level five automation? Yeah, I think people talk a lot about levels, but uh, there's some brief explanations what the levels are. I think uh, level zero, it's you yourself driving the vehicle. When we go to level one, the short abbreviation says feet off, which means uh, the car uh, is able to steer Yeah, when you get across a lane. So it keeps you in between the lanes. And if a car is in front of you, it starts decelerating, it starts braking, it starts accelerating again to the level of speed that you have set. So that's the level one. When we talk about the level two, it's kind of hands off. So it's a partial automation which means uh, the vehicle can operate the steering and as well the acceleration and deceleration in specific cases. And then at the level three, we talk a different language because up to level two, the driver stays liable. As of level three, uh, the liability enters into the car, into the software, into the intelligence of the car. And here the level three means eyes off. So the driver does not need to observe the drive, but must be ready to take control when an alert comes up. So bad weather or unsafe situation, please take over. So, and when we go to level four, then you don't need a driver. That means that's really mind off. So the driver is not needed. The vehicle can operate, but under limited driving conditions. And the level five is really no driver needed, full automation in all driving conditions. Yeah, that's 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 really fascinating, and and again, I think a lot of people are um, immediately when we talk about autonomous vehicles, thinking level four, level five type things. What are some of the the barriers to getting to level five right now? What what are some of the things that that we need to overcome before we we start seeing this in, in more in greater and greater numbers? Now, I think there are. Uh much more barriers than we ever thought that there would be. So I think uh, just trying to count uh, one, two, I think up to four barriers come up to my mind. I think on the first hand, we had technical, we have technical barriers. So we see when we are in undefined scenarios. So especially in cities, when kids are playing at the streets, bicycles, pedestrians crossing the streets. So mixed traffic means as well, just imagine, there is a car being operated in Paris, five lanes, a lot of cars going in and out. So very undefined scenarios that are hard to be trained for in artificial intelligence. So the technical barriers in mixed uh, traffic uh, are hard to overcome. The other barrier that I see is the liability. I said before, when we go from level two to level three, the liability is with a car maker. And that's a hard thing to have. 
So if you are in unsafe situations, in different weather conditions, then uh, who of the car makers takes over the liability for any accident? So as we all know, like in the United States, uh, the fines uh, in front of a court can be very high. So uh, that's, that's a risk to take. And that's a barrier going to higher levels of autonomy. Another barrier I can see is human barrier. So mm -hmm. uh, the point is that the readiness for autonomous driving, I think still about 60% of the people do not trust autonomous driving. So therefore, there's a human barrier whether people are open uh, to switch to the autonomous mode or not. And then the last barrier, I think, not to be neglected is cost. So uh, people are not ready for a passenger car, for enjoying, for relaxing, to, be, to pay a huge extra. And uh, if you go to higher levels of autonomy, we talk about higher computing uh, requirements, about a lot of more sensors, sensor fusion, artificial intelligence, and that is not free of charge. So there's a certain barrier on what kind of autonomy people are ready to pay for. So when we talk safety, there's a willingness to pay for safety in passenger cars. But for the relaxing autonomy, that's still a barrier to be, to be talked about. That's a really interesting aspect of things that, that, that you bring up there and something that I hadn't necessarily thought about um, before, just um, the the added cost and what people are willing to pay more for versus what they aren't. And, and one of the other things that you brought up earlier, Ralph, that I think is interesting is just the discussion about weather and, and how um, autonomous vehicles can perform in different types of weather, whether you're in, you know, perfect conditions like in California or something like that, or you're in snowy conditions in the mountains somewhere or something like that. How do you begin to overcome some of those challenges presented by different weather conditions, like a lot of snow or heavy rain and things like that? I think it's a kind of journey. Uh, I think nowadays we can say that if we have this perfect California sunny weather, if we have a nice marking uh, on the on the roads, uh, then it's easy for an autonomous car to follow the road, to have good visibility, the cameras will see far ahead, uh, there will be enough time to react for uh, the computer, the latency times are not uh, critical on this one. But when the weather turns to heavy snowfall, so it's not to be underestimated, the human brain, a good trained driver, uh, can drive in conditions uh, where you have heavy snowfall, where there is no line on the road visible anymore. So it's just snow everywhere. And uh, still an experienced driver will reduce the speed to a certain limit and drive as safely as possible. So, and these conditions, heavy rainfall, heavy snowfall are hard to overcome. And uh, the set of sensors we operate here is key to that. So I think we are progressing continuously. So with a camera, you have good visibility, but when you have snowfall, the camera gets to the limits. So here, then the radar is a bit stronger and it's about sensor fusion. So I think that is a process. And uh, I think the car makers at the moment try to get a way forward that is safety oriented, that we don't take too big steps under all these weather conditions that we stay on the safe side. That's a, that's a great point. That's a, that's a great point. So can you tell us a little bit more about the difference um, in the autonomy value proposition and, and the autonomy journey uh, between, you know, just uh, passenger cars, but also commercial transportation? Can you tell us some of the differences there? Because I, I think that that to me is of, of particular interest. So I think when we look to the passenger cars, what I can see right now is that there is a, a big trend on safety. 
because to go to fully autonomous driving with relaxing, watching a movie is something that has risk with it. But uh, when we talk about a level two plus for passenger cars, we talk about automated driving. And that is something that turns out very strong. We have growth rates of more than 20% per year on this topic because sensors are being used in order to have emergency braking. Uh, when you get out of a parking lot, sensors look left and right. Is there any uh, cross traffic coming in? So to look in arrows that you usually cannot look as a driver. And uh, so this is the point with the level two plus, you have additional safety and still the driver stays reliable, which means that is a big asset for the people and the amount of money you have to pay for that is not too much as an extra. So you have a big gain in safety and in driving comfort and the plus on cost is not too high. So when you move then to the, to the commercial trucks, uh, it's a different story for a commercial truck. Level two plus is additional safety. If you drive and operate it in the city, that's okay. But the real commercial gain, the 45% of saving comes when you go to full autonomy. And therefore for the commercial trucks, it's more interesting to go to the point of full autonomy to be driverless. And that is the point that is driven now by these autonomous freight networks. Like in the US, we already see that from Phoenix to Orlando, Florida in the US, an autonomous freight network has been established. So that trucks on the highway in a very controlled environment at good weather can be operated at level five, fully autonomous, and that you get a commercial savings. So therefore it pays off because the total savings of 45% is really the motivation uh, to invest a lot more in uh, much more sensors, more processing power, computer power, in order to compensate for that. That's that's really interesting. And I, I wonder, Ralph, if you foresee a day maybe when there is infrastructure specifically for autonomous trucking networks or autonomous, uh, fully autonomous um, public transit systems or, or something along those lines. Do you see maybe there being a, a separate infrastructure, separate highways or separate lanes on highways specifically for autonomous vehicles? Uh, actually, I was I was hoping for that a little bit because still <laughs> there's the challenge of mixed traffic. So yeah. when you have mixed traffic, just imagine a reckless driver. So if in mixed traffic, a reckless driver comes and you have your autonomous truck, your autonomous car, and you just cross the path of the autonomous car, the autonomous car will go into emergency braking. So when you are in, uh, in New Delhi with a lot of cars uh, going in and out and everywhere using the horn in order to communicate with each other, uh, an autonomous car will be the slowest in the traffic. It will break. It will be on the safe side. And that is an environment where it's hard to move as an autonomous car. So therefore, mm. I think hoping for how to roll out autonomous uh, transportation, I think I can imagine looking to the future when you have mega cities with 20 million people living there. So I can imagine it's hard to find a parking place in a mega city with 20 million people. So why not uh, taking the inner circle of a mega city and say, this is autonomy. So we start operating autonomous passenger cars, mobility as a service, all those operating nicely in the inner circle. You don't need a parking place anymore. You call the car 
And as long as you have no mixed traffic, only autonomous cars, they will float nicely, safely in the inner circle of a city. That will work nicely. And the other point is when you have the highway pilots. I think that's the next thing we will see. So on the highways, uh, trucks, passenger cars that operate in one direction, even in mixed traffic, I think uh, the scenarios meanwhile are trained well enough that there is a good level of safety feasible in, I would say, uh, okay weather. <laughs> Don't talk about <laughs> snowfall, heavy rain. This is more tricky. Absolutely. Absolutely. It goes back to that weather aspect like we discussed a little bit earlier. And, and, and Ralph, I wanted to wrap up this episode just by talking about the technology that's powering autonomy. A lot of people assume, okay, it's it's cameras, it's that sort of thing. But is, is it more than just cameras that's required? Is it LiDAR? Talk us through the various technologies that empower autonomy and, and what's necessary to make this happen. Well, I think the easiest way to understand what is autonomous driving is to just compare how we drive today. How do we drive today? We have two eyes, two visual sensors. We have a brain with IQ, more or less, depending on the driver. <laughs> uh, we, have, uh, we have lighting, we have a wiper, and that provides us 24-7 all-weather driving capability. If you translate that into autonomous driving, instead of the two visual sensors, uh, we have cameras, uh, we might have radar, we might have LiDAR, laser scanner, uh, we have artificial intelligence uh, with an IQ, uh, more or less as well, depending on the, on the producer. And then we have some digital lighting, and that should provide us all weather capabilities. But the point here is the sensors are very different. So a camera is quite good when you have good weather conditions. Yeah, You can read signs, you can uh, read any kind of information on the road, but... When it comes to radar, the radar is good in movement detection, in looking through rain and fog. So LiDAR, again, is just having laser points. So it provides a three-dimensional object, object. It shows you the range, the object itself. But when you get at 200 meters, then you see just a few dots. Hmm. So now the key is using a combination of sensors. In order to get to 100% object recognition, it's good to combine certain sensors. You start with light and the camera, and then the radar provides your movement detection. So which means you see in a longer distance that you might not see at night, you see a movement. It can be just the plastic bag crossing your, your, your street. And then the radar doesn't know, is it a plastic bag? What is it? Or is it a deer? Or is it someone on a bicycle? So you need light plus the camera to identify what is crossing there. And then similar, you can use the LiDAR in certain situations, but only to a certain range. So the key is now using different sensors in order to get to 100% probability of identifying what kind of object is in front of you and whether you are driving safely, whether you can avoid any collision and this under different weather conditions. And so every sensor has pros and cons. If you have, for example, the sun being very low coming in front of you and the range of the camera reduces very strongly, then you see an autonomous car in between the lanes. It's bouncing left and right because the range looking forward is getting too short. So it's really a process on getting into that. And it takes a lot of miles and training for the artificial intelligence uh, to operate a car 
as you are used to it with a with a human driver. Hmm. Well, it's an exciting time, and um, I'm excited to see how these technologies continue to develop. Ralph, um, this is going to wrap up uh, part one of our podcast series. But on the next episode, we're going to talk a little bit about AI and also humanity. So, how much do human beings trust AI right now? How much should human beings trust AI right now? And how is that going to continue to evolve and grow into the future? So. For this episode, Ralph, thank you so much for joining me. I'm looking forward to, uh, to further conversations about autonomous vehicles. Thank you very much. Looking forward to it as well. Thank you. Absolutely. And for everyone, uh, make sure you subscribe to, uh, to Connected World, uh, a podcast from TE Connectivity, to stay up to date with the latest episodes to make sure you catch part two of our conversation. You don't want to miss it. So stay tuned for that. But for this one, for Ralph, I'm Tyler. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you for tuning into our conversation. You can learn more about the solutions we discussed today by visiting te.com, where you can connect with our engineer support teams and sign up for Circuit, our monthly trends newsletter featuring a selection of articles on tech innovation written by engineers for engineers. To find out more, follow us on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Podcasts, as well as LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, think big, move fast, and make every connection count.